0: Hey, everybody, we are back with Garen talking again about um, the sermon that he preached yesterday. And yesterday was about Matthew 7 and what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And so we just have a few things that we really wanted to share uh, that kind of builds on what you said yesterday, Garen. And so this is maybe one of the more important ones we'll ever do. Yeah. Because what's more important than knowing that you're secure in Jesus, right? Yeah so the first thing so our text was matthew 7 it was 13 to 15 to 23
1: i think
0: oh was it 15 yeah I think well 13 15. was the narrow gate. oh 13 yep yeah i was i was paying attention you were Did yeah so 13 to I wasn't. to 23 I yeah garen was on autopilot he <laughs> he was li- he lip-synced that that uh message from Furtick, right? You stole yeah. that one from him? Yeah. Good, yeah. I love this Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> so the text is Matthew 7, 13 to 23. And just talking, there's a lot in there. But as I was listening yesterday, Garen, I just was thinking about how the idea of being a Christian, or not the idea, really being a Christian is really a binary thing, meaning you either are a follower of Jesus or you're not. But so often when we would ask maybe someone who doesn't know Jesus, hey, like on a scale of one to 10, how you know are you a Christian or not? A lot of people would, would say they're in that like five to eight range probably meaning maybe I am, maybe I'm not. And that's probably the public perception of what it means to be a Christian is that like you can build your way up into it and get more and like get closer and closer maybe based on what you do or what you know. Yeah. but the reality is that either the Holy Spirit is living inside you and directing your life or he's not. like it's a it's one or the other. there's no middle ground whatsoever. And so I guess the first thing I wanted to say on this is just that we have to shift out of that mentality that uh, that maybe we, maybe we don't even have that, but our, our non-believing friends do. And we've got to be ready to dispute that. Just like, man, this is not a scale of one to 10 thing where you get closer to Jesus, the better you act. It's like either Jesus has worked a miracle in your heart and replaced um, your old self with your old heart with his new spirit, his Holy Spirit, and he's directing your life, or he hasn't done that. Yeah,
1: right.
0: And so, I don't know, man. As yeah. as as we as I listened yesterday, that was just kind of. Well, I've heard
1: me. Tim Keller talk about, in Colossians, Paul talks about, Jesus talks about the kingdom all the time. In Colossians, Paul talks about, we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of light. And Tim Keller has said, when you go down to Mexico, you, you, you either cross the border or you don't. You're either in te- you're either in the U.S. or you're in Mexico, and he said there is a crossing point, and there is a, I mean, there you you're either in or out. It like you said, it's a binary. It's not like you're you're halfway between countries. You're you're in one or the other. And Paul's that way in Romans eight. I mean, he talks so clearly. You're either it's the spirit that's in your life and dominating, or it's the flesh that's all about what you're all about. And he draws pretty stark contrast there.
0: That's a really good way to think about it. You're either in the United States or in Mexico. You either crossed the line or you didn't because that's how it is with Jesus too. And you know, Garen, as we read this text, um, you know, some texts you can read and they are to be taken one way and, and it's really like a blanket application for everybody who hears it. You know, when Jesus is coming, he says, repent, um, the kingdom of God is coming, right? Good news is here. You know, there's really one way to take that. It hits us all the same way. With this text in Matthew seven, you know you you've kinda gotta find yourself in the text a little bit because there is a spectrum here. We talked about this earlier because it's not like um, we all feel the same way. Some of us are gonna read this and we're gonna be worried that, oh no, you know I've been following Jesus for 20 years, but maybe I really am on that broad road. Yeah. Like maybe I really do need to take a hard look. And others of us will be on the opposite side and like we are way too sure in our salvation. And we really need to consider the fact that we actually could be on that broad road headed to destruction. And so I guess we say that so that you know that you need to find where you're at in this text. And maybe, maybe Garen can give us some tips later in this on, on how to find yourself and how to know really where you are. But we're not trying to say that just because you hear this text means, you know, you automatically need to examine your faith or, you know, you're automatically safe and you're good. Like there's some. There's some self-introspection to be done with this one.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's why that Second Corinthians 13.5, where Paul says, examine yourselves. I mean, that's a command. And as we were just talking before, every time I read that, I'm like, I've got, I stop, I ask some questions, you, you've got to take that serious. And this text is similar. I mean, this text, you just don't read it. Somebody yesterday came and they're like, every time I read this, like, I shake in my boots, this Matthew, and it's pretty serious. Um, and that's why I felt like we needed to deal with it. You just can't blow off the hard stuff, right? Or the things that make you a little uncomfortable. And yeah, you said some people I think are better with you know I've committed to Jesus. I'm, I'm I am following Him. I have received my, His gift of salvation, His fruits in my life, and they're they're good with that. And I'm glad for those people. But there's those people that are constantly questioning themselves. I understand that. I've been there, and so it's that walking the tightrope. We want people to ask that question. We're not trying to push people who are. Have good. A lot of times, the people that are questioning all the time have good hearts, and tip them over. Like, see, you need to keep asking over and over. But so that wasn't easy to to talk about, you know, in a in a balanced way. I don't know.
0: But at the same way, you said the reason that you felt the need to talk about it was because, you know, you as a as a preacher of the word are held to a high standard, and you know there. Are, I mean, there are likely people in the room just like in every church who do have it mixed up, and that's an eternal consequence. And so you would be doing a huge disservice to your flock if you didn't ask us to look at this. Yeah,
1: very much so. Yeah, Very strongly feel that
0: way. So, Garen, the million-dollar question that everybody wants to know is, which road am I on and how do I determine that? So as we read this text, and it talks about the narrow gate and the wide gate, and we look at ourselves, can you give us—I mean, there's no, like— silver bullet, right? But can you give us maybe a question or a litmus test of some sort to like for some introspection of, okay, how can I figure out which road am I on? What's the direction of my life um, to either give us that assurance that, hey, I am following Jesus well, or maybe it needs to be a wake-up call like, whoa, I've really kind of like fallen asleep at the wheel, and I need to get myself back on the right path. What's something you can give us to help us determine where we're at?
1: Yeah, to me, the scariest one of those two in our context, is the, actually the first one, are people who say, Lord, Lord, um, but when they get there, he's they're, they're going to find out they're on the broad road, and it's because, he says, there was no obedience to the will of God. And that's what I think in, in evangelical churches like, like ours, that is my great fear is that people grow up, grow up in church or they're in church, and they're hearing content about the gospel, and they can say the facts. Oh, Jesus died for my sin. I'm a sinner. I'm needing salvation from my sin. That they know the facts. But that that word faith or belief in the New Testament, um, and I'm going to do a sermon on this, but um, it, it's it's deeper than just knowledge, and that's why even that no-no, it's more than knowledge. It's, it's a word of not just I know facts, but this sense of, of that thing has grabbed me in the gut, like I don't just believe it. I, I want to apply that to my life. But that word pistis for faith, the translated faith, is frequently translated faithfulness. And inside of it is the idea of commitment. So it's the idea that to have saving faith in Jesus, I don't just know the content of the gospel. It has grabbed my heart, and I have given my life to him as my Savior and my Lord. And when I do that, what will happen? If that's a genuine thing, if it has those three components, then the Spirit comes in and he starts producing fruit. Different amounts and different people, but it's there. And I talked to a guy yesterday, Camp afterwards, who always struggles with this. And he always thinks when he reads this, I'm not a believer. And we talked, and I'm like, look at your life before you were a believer and now. And I said, the direction of your life, what you were like. And as he was, we were talking and he was thinking, it's like, yeah, there's there has actually been a pretty profound change in my life. That's the fruit of obedience that comes from having the spirit in your life. So to me, it's the that first one that I I don't just say it and I believe facts in my head, but there is fruit evidence that I've genuinely given myself to Him as my Savior my Lord, and it's a relationship thing that I've got with Him. I don't know. that To me, that's—and that may be as clear as mud, but to me, it's—
0: The two that I pulled out of what you just said were you check your affections and check your fruit, right? Yeah. Like, what is the number one—because we all know that. What is the number one affection in my life? What is the number one thing that I— like if you took that from me, I would have nothing. Is it my sports team? Is it my habits? Is it my family? Is it my status? Is it my bank account? My 401k? Like, and maybe if you can answer that question, it's like the rich young ruler, right? Like he did everything mm-hmm. right, but Jesus got right to the heart of what he actually cared about. And he was like, Whoa, like I'm yeah. not going to heaven. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe that's that's a pretty good litmus test. Is like, check your affections. What is your number one affection? If Jesus is like shuffled into three or four. Then, like maybe it's time to reassess some things and be like, okay, how do I how do I elevate him in my heart and and learn to love and appreciate him more and more and see his goodness more because I need to do that because right now he's kind of like second or third fiddle. Um, that affections thing is so true for me because you're right. It, being in ministry, it's all it's all about in my you know in my flesh knowing enough or or saying the right thing or doing the right thing or bringing enough people, but so often I'm brought back to that idea that man, what is your number one affection? Yeah. Is it what people say about you, or or X Y Z, or or is it actually following Jesus with my whole heart yeah. um, and looking forward to the hope of living with Him one day? Yeah. Like,
1: so. and I would say he even for people who truly do have that affection, and love for Him, and, and accept Him genuinely, that that those idols will will gain my heart above Him. There's this constant fluctuation, so. There are times that he is third and fourth on my list, but still the deep, deep root of my heart is I really long deeply to, to know and love him more. And I'm even, when I'm in those states, I'm like, Lord, help me to love you most. You know, there's that longing for him to be that first love. People who don't know, who, it's just facts for them. Oh, I can tell you, he died for my sin. They don't care about that. They don't pray that like, Lord, I'm not loving you first, but I so long to. that. To me, that's that. that my affections are in the right place. Maybe out of order right now, but and then that, the, the commitment that if you love something, you give your life to it, right? And if you don't love it, you don't. And I wish we'd, I'm just tired of like, it's just that easy believism. I know the facts, no life change. And, and you, you know, you look at people and you're like, they don't love, like, it, it's just, it, it's like they don't love God. It just, you can't, it's like there's,
0: it's like somebody who gets married but still spends every night with their buddies out at the bar, right? Yeah. Like it's nothing's changed in you. You're not really married. Yeah, you know, like right. on a piece of paper you might be. Right, but
1: Kyle Alderman talks about it. yeah, somebody like you get married but you still spending all his time with his old girlfriends. Yeah, and he's never even staying at home. It's like okay, are you really, <laughs> you know, are you really married? You know, and th- th- no one would put up with that. And it's like so just yeah, it's
0: that. and right now it you know. You can be honest with the people, Garen, and, and let them know that it is hard to keep Jesus number one right now because the Broncos are 3-0. and Yeah,
1: when the Broncos so start winning. So that
0: affection is creeping up. Yeah. Upwards. And, and,
1: and you see the Chiefs kind of on a downward trend. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> can I say that? Now I know what's going to happen the rest of the season. But <laughs>
0: Incoming five-game losing streak for the Broncos. And, <laughs> and a five-game winning streak And the streak Chiefs for will the Chiefs. win out. Yeah, yeah, that's what will happen yeah. now. Okay, well, thanks for helping to bring some clarity to this, Garen. I know that this is your heartbeat and this is my heartbeat, and if anyone's out there and they heard your message or maybe they're listening to this and they would just love to have a conversation i know that those are the things that you love to make time for and in fact you can never get enough of in your life so please if you're listening um and this is something you want to talk more about or search out more deeply i mean i don't know if you care what i have to say i would love to talk to you but garen also like this is his heartbeat so reach out to one or either of us or anyone on staff and this is this is what we do this is what we live for so Hope that was helpful. Hope it helps us to either have assurance that we're on the right path or maybe bring us back to a place of kind of doing a self-check and saying, you know, where am I really at? So it was good yesterday, Garen. Thanks for the word, man.
1: All right, man.